Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download at www.audiblechild.com slash outnowpodcast. Over 150,000 titles to choose from for your Android, iPhone, Kindle, or MP3 player. This week on Out Now with Aaron and Abe, we're talking The Founder because ba-da-ba-ba-ba, you know the rest. Wait a minute, I forgot my introduction. We are now recording, and this is Out Now with Aaron and Abe. I am Aaron, and as I mentioned last week, Abe is not here. Um, Abe is currently halfway around the world. Um, He's on a very secret mission, of course. Um, I will eventually tell you the details of the secret mission, but not right now. That'd be ridiculous. Um, So anyway, Out Now is a film podcast where Abe and I normally discuss new movies weekly. We cover some various movie topics, jump into a mostly spoiler-free review, then jump back to other fun movie topics. This is episode 272-272. Abe would be proud right now because it's a palindrome, um, and the, a numerical palindrome, of course. And uh, this week's main feature is The Founder, the uh, new film uh, about Ray Kroc, the Roy Kroc. Roy? Ray? Ray. Ray, thank you. Ray Kroc, the uh, supposed founder of McDonald's. And uh, let's see, joining my, me tonight, um, we have from Fast Film Reviews, he always prefers real ice cream in his milkshakes, it's Mark Hoban. Hi, everyone. And from Zaggy's Corner in the Movie Film Podcast, he's been known to have his way because that's what a hamburger is all about. It's Zaki Hassan. Howdy, howdy. How are the two of you doing tonight? Doing really well. well. Good. Jinx, you both owe me Cokes. Okay, moving <laughs> on. Uh, well, let's get into some uh, show notes stuff real quick here. Let's see. Uh, new, uh, new commentary track is on the way. Every month we like to do a commentary track because you listeners love the commentary tracks. And so we have one in store for you. It is arguably Paul W.S. Anderson's best film, Event Horizon. That will be uh, recorded this week and um, coming out towards the end of the week. So look out for that one. Uh, that should be a lot of fun. We'll have basically the regulars on for that. And um, what else? iTunes reviews and ratings. It's good to get those. Helps out the show. Helps other people find the show. If you want to, uh, if you want to log on to iTunes, search out now there in an You can find our show. You can give us a star rating, which would be great. You can also write up a quick sentence or two if you want to review the show in some capacity. Also would be great. Uh, it would help us out. So thank you in advance for that. Be nice to get some new uh, iTunes reviews for the new year. Actually, I haven't got one for a while, so be, that'd be cool. And uh, let's see. Last thing here, um, I know there's still time if you're in the SoCal area um, to join the uh, Newport Beach Film Festival as an intern. You can email the lovely Anna Bosch, who's been a frequent guest on the show, at intern at newportbeachfilmfest.com. And uh, yeah, if you were you know able to go in for that, be sure to mention that you came in from the you got a recommendation from the Out Now There and a podcast. Like, I heard about this, and I had to check out how a film festival works. I want to be an intern. She would be delighted to hear that. Uh, so, yeah, that's that right in there. Let's uh, let's move on now. Let's get to know everybody. Where each week we ask each other a question or two, try to set the tone for the podcast, or better get to know, know everybody. everybody. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I have just one question for you guys this week. Vanilla, chocolate, or strawberry milkshake? Oh, that's an easy one. Chocolate. Oh, yeah. Chocolate, yeah. Chocolate milkshake. That's thing. it. Just, just that. That was. That's easy. I mean, if you had, if you, I mean, you can make it short. You can make it long. Depends on what your answer wants to be. Just, Zachy, do you have an immediate answer for this question? I, I'm a vanilla person. A vanilla, a vanilla person. Anna's screaming yeah. off camera. She's just like, I want a Neapolitan shake right now. Get off this podcast, <laughs> you chump, and make me one. It's weird that you say all. She's not saying that. <laughs> I like to mix it up, guys. Honestly, I you know sometimes I want just a straight vanilla shake. Sometimes I want a strawberry chocolate shake. I you, you go either way. I mean, I, 
I live down this crazy area with In-N-Out, so I can I can have those things. I can I can mix it up, which is generally the only time I get milkshakes, unless we go to like Johnny Rockets or something like that. Then you get all kinds of flavors from there. But as far as the the the, the three traditional flavors, I I can you know I'm open. I'm open to I'm open to <laughs> mix it. You know, you know why settle with one? That's what I say. <laughs> that was a good question, guys. I'm very happy we had distinct answers. <laughs> I don't. Acquiring minds want to know. Uh-huh, they do. I, I don't want to start a vanilla chocolate war between Zachy and Mark on their first podcast together, but I might actually I want to see how that would play out. So I, I don't, maybe these, I, maybe these I do. have gotten awkward. <laughs> yeah. Uh, maybe I asked you guys beforehand just so I know ahead of time, just so there wouldn't be any kind of battles. But, you know, whatever. Okay. <laughs> that out of the way, that's how you play. No, everybody. No, everybody. Good. It was like an echo. <laughs> Let's move on now, now. out now, quickies. Jim. Each week and out now, we have one main movie of the week that I talk about. Was that one of the week that sounds like we're going to get quickies? Damn. I was happy with it. I was happy with it. Zachy's like, what is Mark saying? <laughs> <laughs> he knows the show. He knows what we do I, here. I'm just I've like, I'm like Abe, like as when he's not here. Well, Mark, what other movies have you seen this week? Uh, so I saw 20th Century Women recently, mm-hmm. and uh, it's a good movie. Uh, stars Annette Benning in a possible Oscar nominated performance we'll find out uh, this tuesday if, if that's the case um it was directed by mike mills who also did uh, beginners. beginners yeah yeah and uh, and i think th- if if you liked beginners i think you would like this too it's sort of a little kind of slice of life period piece and it's got some interesting uh it, it's kind of a sampling of diff- it's like little vignettes kind of all thrown together in a way so it's a little haphazard but i thought that most of the vignettes were amusing, and uh, I think it works. Yeah. And then another film I saw uh, recently also was uh, Ashgar Farhadi's latest. Uh, it's called The Salesman. The Salesman, yeah. And I'm a I'm a big fan of this director. I loved About Ellie, A Separation. Uh, his last movie was The Past, and uh, this one is very good. I I definitely would would recommend it highly. Um, probably of those four, my least favorite. Um, it. it there's some things and I won't go into it because like his movies are rely on like interpersonal relationships and the way um, he's really great at capturing Iranian life and, and just the the day to day sort of it's very real and he does a good job of that. And this film is, is definitely another film that captures life beautifully. Um, there are some things that the characters do that don't make sense. And it, there's a couple things that like just irritated me. Like, why didn't you just do this? And it, it never had, but I, I don't want to go into what it is because it's, it's part of the film. But, um, but overall, I, I, I thought it was very good. De- definitely a high recommendation. Yeah. I've seen both of those films. You know, the salesman on and I, we saw that back at AFI fest and I liked it quite a bit. I agree with you though. I do think it's his one of the, you know, weaker is a quote unquote term just because it's not a bad movie by any means. It's just not as good as Separation in the past in particular, I think, are, you know, incredible. Uh, where About Ellie, I really like that film as well. It's not, I, that's probably probably third of those sport films. But yeah, The Salesman, certainly worth seeing if you're a fan of the director, if you're a fan just of the, you know, kind of interpersonal life movies set in an Iranian culture. I think there's a lot of interesting stuff to get from it and the strong performances right. as well, too. Uh, 20th yes. Century Women, I kind of agree with you. I think we're in kind of the same park where I think it's good. Uh, I like Beginners a bit more, but it's it, with, this one is it's long in a way where it just kind of feels long. Where it's like, all right, I, I get what you're doing. I admire the admire the Benning performance quite a bit, and some of the other work from some of the other actors. It's just it, there's 
there's a lot there where it's like, all right, I, <laughs> I wasn't as into it the the longer it went on, but it you know it, I, was, it kind of wraps up well. I think the thing that I like about Annette Benning is she's very she's a very natural performer, and mm-hmm. the role is better because of her. Yeah. If you put someone else in that performance. Uh, it wouldn't be as good. Yeah, um, there's a way where that role could be either icier or like too loose. And it just... she does like these, you know, she does does a double take, and she kind of like, you know, does a sort of a like even just a look without even saying things. She really knows how to to give that script life. So she does a really good job, you know, of that. So I, I enjoyed watching her, you know, but. Yeah, it was a little bit like it's little vignettes kind of all thrown together. Mm-hmm. Um, it could have been a little more cohesive. Zach, how about you? What other films have you seen this week or recently? Uh, so, so I just saw Triple X: Return of Xander Cage. Uh, did you see that one? I saw that one. Yep. Uh, well, I, I don't, I don't remember getting your thoughts on it, but I was, uh, I was not a fan of this film, <laughs> and and I kind of I got lulled into expecting maybe something better than I what what I ended up getting because just. Uh, you know, I was seeing online there was sort of a general uh, sort of enthusiasm for it. And, uh, I don't know. I, I don't know what I watched, but it, it wasn't it wasn't good. <laughs> I will say it because it, it's not a good movie like this, <laughs> but there's it's ridiculous. And but and I think it gets that it's ridiculous. It's not something I need to see like again. But the best thing I can think of is where where and I know you also hated London has fallen. I feel like yes. it's the it's the exact inverse of that movie where that one is very claustrophobic and very xenophobic where this one is open it goes all over the place and it's very diverse in what it's trying to do like it has it has it has, uh, yeah, it has a it, stupid kind points. of fun with itself in a way that other movies that other action movies that take themselves for granted as far as what they're trying to do don't and it just so it, it just it was sillier fun in a way where I didn't mind it because it wasn't offensive. <laughs> well, I, I, I definitely, I give it points for diversity. I think Donnie Yen is just, uh, I, I was having a blast every time Donnie Yen was on screen. Donnie uh, Yen, who's, think... like, who's like 53 years old, by the way, he looks much younger yeah. compared to Vin Diesel, who looks much older than he did in the first Triple X movie. V- Vin Dad Bod Diesel, I think <laughs> they should start calling. Uh, I, I feel like, I, I said this in my review, it's really, it's a monument to Vin Diesel's image of himself. Is what it feels well, like. Well, yeah, to he's me, the weakest you know? part of the thing. That was my main really, issue. With every like, because there's a long like middle portion of this movie where it's him relying on his acting ability, and it's right. like, and and th- and like, I don't think Vin Diesel's a bad performer, but it just depends on the role. And this is not the, you know, him just being like, you know, look how amazing I am at like talking about extreme sports. That's not, yeah. you know, that's not a that's not a great like something like the Fast and Furious film. Say what you will about them, there's a character he's formed there that works for what well, those ones are doing. <laughs> And not just that, you know, one thing I've said for a while is that Vin Diesel is not a star. Dom Toretto is a star. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, so I think they keep trying to sort of plug and plug and play Vin Diesel into Riddick and these other franchises. And it's just, I, you know, it's it's that's not the character anybody wants to see him play. I think the, the Riddick character is also a star. It's I mean, it's but it's like, you know, it's not like Vin Diesel but does many other a... movies outside of the Fast and Furious. He's become like that's Chris right. Tucker, where it's not like he's, the, you know, there's not many <laughs> other roles that he's done beyond the ones that that's you right. know him for. That's true. Well, it's a shame, right? Because, I mean, uh, what was it? It was uh, Boiler Room, you know? Yeah. Uh, no, I think early mean, on he, he's had, like, yeah, Saving Private Ryan, yeah, some of his He had, like, these actorly roles early on, and then, and then, 
And then, I mean, you know, Triple X, the first one, I I, re- I haven't seen it since it first came out, but I thought it was garbage when I first saw it. So it's not like I went into this expecting oh, much yeah. more than that. It was basically, I, I just, I, I almost wish it was, it had more self-awareness and was willing to really play the self-parody because I feel like it was, it was trying to sort of be stupid, but not too stupid. And I, I that, that was, I wanted either either more self-awareness or more seriousness and it was this weird middle ground that just kind of it lost me yeah see it didn't quite because they if it had more winking like because there are like avengers jokes and stuff and like they didn't like there were you know i wasn't bowling over laughing at them but it didn't bother sure but if it was doing it more i don't know if i think i'd be much more hostile towards the film for it trying to do stuff because it's you know it's not like it's a very well directed movie (laughs) like it's it's which is which is also (laughs) a shame by the way because dj caruso like i've liked his other movies i i I, I like some of it i like it because i'm a huge fan of the salt and sea his first salt and sea which is much different than you know once he got spielberg money and started doing dreamworks movies yeah but you know i I didn't mind disturbia either i mean it's it's not amazing but i'm in the minority camp that really doesn't like disturbia (laughs) there's a lot of that movie has its fans (laughs) But yeah, so that's me on Triple X. It's it's a big, big whatever for me. All right. Um, <laughs> I have seen a number of films because I was able to get a stack of screeners. <laughs> so um, I was able to catch up a lot of documentaries. Um, I saw I Am Not Your Negro, which is a oh, it's fantastic, a, a really strong documentary. We've talked about that before. Yeah. Show, does that here. that does not sound like um the narration? Sam I, Jackson. Yeah, it does not sound like him. He's very, like he's, I could not. He's very much playing down his kind of basically his American Express card commercial I knew persona. I it was like, him he's, narrating, his, his and I'm listening, persona. You know, I'm listening to his voice. I'm like, that does not sound like him. I, I'm, I thought maybe he was affecting a voice for the documentary. It's, it's, it's more just he's playing himself down. But I like that very much. I thought that very. I mean, it's a very well. Oh, his narration is good. I yeah, just, it, yeah. just didn't sound like him. I I I it, I knew going in that he was going to be narrating, but I was I was taken aback about like how his narration was playing out in the film, and I I appreciated it. But yeah, I saw that. I saw uh, Peter and the Farm. Have you guys seen this one? No, no. This one, I'm not going to go too far into it, but certainly if you're if you have a thing about seeing animals be harmed, uh, beware. I mean, it's a farmer doing things so that are appropriate, but it's just more the movie shows you intense farming involving animal slaughter that I was not expecting. I thought this was going to be like a, okay, I can put this on and, you know, not be too stressed out about it. It's like, oh boy, this, this got graphic really quick. And it's also this portrait of this man who's basically, he's kind of isolated from his families and he's having a stressful life living on this farm by himself. Let's see, I saw Tickled. Um, which Mark, you and I just talked about it uh, that you've seen already. Um, that well, that, that came out like almost like six months ago. Yeah, it was, so yeah, it... was out a while ago, but I finally got yeah. to check it out. Um, it is much like there, there was a documentary from a few years back called The Imposter that I was a huge fan of in the way it kind of starts off one way and kind of makes a turn. This one does the same thing, and they're both very – they're presented in a way where you can basically see this as a movie, which I know some people that are not necessarily the biggest documentary fans, I think that's a good way to kind of view it if you thought of it that way, where you – think of less of it as like oh no i gotta listen to this story being told to me it's more of like it's very the journey they go on as unsettling and weird as it is it, it's quite it's, it's very engrossing as far as i as far as i was concerned with it 
Yeah, it. I, what I love about that documentary is it starts, like you said, it starts out one way, kind of lighthearted and kind of like, oh, here's a little human interest piece about this. And then it becomes this sort of like you go down the rabbit hole and it's like, oh, my gosh, what have I just uncovered? Which it's, is what the documentarians go through as well, because they're just like, we just wanted to make a like there are these it's like a journalist. It's like, I just wanted to write up a story on this. And now I'm being attacked. And I'm impressed that they stuck with it because based the way they presented it, yeah. they, there was some pressure put onto them that oh, yeah. to, like just abandon what they were doing Even yeah since the movie has come out <laughs> yeah um i saw Werner herzog's documentary lo and behold reveries of a connected world which is about it's it's Werner herzog takes on the internet uh, mm. which i feel like that should be good enough for you right there if you want to if you're interested in that let's see i saw i saw hacksaw ridge on and i watched hacksaw ridge the other night which i know um mark you've talked about fondly in the past on this podcast I've, I uh, like Hacksaw Ridge, yeah. Yeah, I, I've expressed my, my somewhat ambivalent towards just because I have issues with Mel Gibson, but because I was able to watch it as a screener, I'm fine. I'll settle with it. And the movie itself, is it's good. Like, it's it's well done. It's It hits every kind of war cliche in the book, but, like, it's well, it's well made, and I don't know if Garfield deserves the best actor nomination, but he's certainly good at it. And there's some really raw war footage in the movie, that's for sure. What did you think of Vince Vaughn? I was very concerned with how he never had to reload his gun. Um, every time he had that big machine gun in his, his head. His performance. Like, but it's been, yeah, it, well, it, that didn't catch me off guard. But uh, as far as his performance, yeah, I mean, he's fine. He wasn't like the best drill sergeant I've ever seen. But like, I didn't, I was, I didn't feel distracted by him. I it was more like. I, oh, I so I, I, the reason why I bring him up is I, I think he did more than just not distract me. I, I thought like for the first time in quite a while i felt like he actually gave a performance it was something that didn't make me want to like change the channel or uh, so i i actually right. enjoyed him in this I, film i mean i i enjoy vince vaughn in general so i haven't really i mean i've there's been films he's been in where the films themselves i've really disliked but i, I haven't i haven't found myself disliking vince vaughn in general in the past is more but you know so i thought i mean i thought it was good i, I didn't it didn't strike me right. either way. But i mean like Couples Retreat, The Dilemma, Delivery Man. But you know, again, uh, I, those films business. are take, hit or miss on a lot. Of, and there's, there's some a, hit or miss films there for sure. But I'm not. It's rare that I'm like Vince Vaughn is the active reason I don't like this movie. It's more of just the movies themselves to me. It's like, like Delivery Man, it's not a good movie, but I think Vince Vaughn's very good in it. I think he does a pretty good job actually, is mixing comedy and drama. But you know, whatever. This is getting way off topic. <laughs> <laughs> What else do I want to mention? Oh, two more things. Uh, the last thing I'll mention. Um, I'll mention this movie, Lost in London. Do you guys know what this is? No. Uh, I've heard of it. This is the Woody Harrelson live movie that he did this week. Yeah. Where he he was, he was performed an mo entire movie live that was broadcast in England and, and in the U.S., shot in London, as I said, live. Um, it's <laughs> It recounts this, like, true story he had where he got into, he got into a... A scuffle with some police officers while in London back in 2002, and so he wrote and directed this movie based off that experience. From a technical standpoint, there is a lot to admire, because this is, you know, you're making a movie in one shot using one camera, completely live, so there's no, you know, you, there's no takes or anything, it's just one so it, giant... So, I mean, movie. is it a doc... I mean, it's... It's a, it's a narrative, it's a dramatic... He's, he, he wrote, it's a, it's a comedy... Movie. He's playing a character. He play he plays himself. He plays a version of himself, essentially. And, like, Owen Wilson shows up at one point. Willie Nelson, because obviously, shows up at one point. <laughs> uh, and it... The story... I, as a writer, it, the story's... You know, it, it's okay. Like, it's nothing special. But I, I am curious about what Woody Harrelson plans to do as a filmmaker based off this. Like, if he has some kind of drive to suddenly start making movies. But as far as 
you know, the technical challenge of making something like this, it's quite impressive. I think there's a there's an issue involving because it's set in London and it takes place at like when he shot it's like two AM in the morning in London when he shot it. So it's there's a lighting thing that's problematic because he's you know, there's a lot of blocking you have to do for going all around London while shooting a movie live and so it's hard to, you know, make lighting work constantly, so you're seeing a lot of just shadows of actors' faces. But you know, that's a Herculean challenge of having a cameraman follow you around and get into various, you know, scripted situations of, you know, a 100-minute movie. So I, I certainly admire what was gone for in this thing. Did you watch it live? Yeah, we yeah, I watched it live. Yeah, it was, okay. bro- it was broadcast live. It was, it was but it is, I take it, it's on video so people can watch it now. I assume eventually it will be. Um, but yeah, it was, I mean, it happened, you know, on Thursday. It happened the other day. So it's, uh, for, you know, the first time something like that was done on that in that kind of level so yeah it's, it's a weird thing i can't really like record because i don't know where you can get it if it will be available or whatnot but it's something something i watched <laughs> that's for sure um and the last thing i'll mention is split um which is of course the m night Shyamalan movie that was uh seen much more than the movie we're talking about in the main review today the founder <laughs> but um <laughs> split i will say and i saw split back in november actually back at afi fest so uh there's a lot more people discovering what's going on in split and I'm not going to hype up some kind of like major twist or whatnot, because that's not fair to the movie. The movie itself, what it's you know doing is presenting you this scenario involving James McAvoy as a character who has a dissociative identity disorder, uh, where he has any a host of 23 different personalities. Um, and so we just talked about Herculean tasks. Only 23? Only 23, yeah. The, and, <laughs> and while we say that, you see about like maybe seven of them in this movie, um, and in kind of a full-on version. But to his credit, McAvoy is great in this movie. He uh, he does a terrific job of, of making distinct characters, having them you know kind of be physically different and what have you. Um, the the plot surrounds this character abducting three girls, three teenage girls, and placing them in this like dank area, like and you don't know what's going to happen. And I know there are, there are mostly favorable reviews for this film, but I honestly I wasn't big on it. Like I think the again the McAvoy performance is strong. I think as a director, Shyamalan's really doing some great stuff here he he like he kind of cherry-picked a lot of filmmakers from other products he took the uh, cinematographer from it follows um so the movie has a really great look to it which i normally see in shyamalan movie anyway um there's you know there's some good there's some good scoring there's a lot of good like kind of production value to this film and even the performances are not like beyond mcavoy the other performances are, are fine enough it's just the script is not like it feels like it feels like a first draft honestly it feels like there's there's more that could have been done to both tighten up the story because there's a lot of there's a lot of other things happening beyond the central narrative where I'm like I just want to get back to that central narrative so it kind of takes time away and it take, goes on longer than it kind of needs to um and the resulting again I got to be vague here but the resulting things that take place I wasn't very satisfied with on a kind of a dramatic level like I I think there's mm. there's a, there's a few, there's some uncomfortable aspects of what happens that made me wish things could have been handled differently that's as vague as i can be but i mean it it's a fine it's it's an okay watch um not one that i necessarily say like you need to race out and see it even with whatever else transpires in the film but certainly mcavoy is he impressed me quite a bit here i i've generally like i've never i haven't thought either way about him i think he's a good performer for the most part but like this one was like oh yeah he's really showing me something different that i you know haven't beyond certain other movies i mentioned later in the feedback but yeah i thought McAvoy's pretty terrific in the movie. So. That's split. All right. <laughs> that co- that covers every... You know what? One last thing. I, I did see that. I forgot. I got all these screeners. Uh, I saw the movie Christine. Have you guys seen Christine with Rebecca no. Hall? Uh, 
Yes, I've seen that. I, she is terrific in this movie, and it's a shame that she's not getting more mentioned because I, I there's she's giving a very yeah she's one of the one of the performances that seems to have gotten sort of swept up under the the carpet, and she was I thought she was surprisingly good. Like the movie itself, it's like it's a, it's an okay movie, but she's very good in it. So it's you know I guess in the the other things beyond the Oscars, maybe she'll get some more recognition that way. But yeah, so that's I know quickies. Tiam. Thank you. All right, <laughs> let's uh, let's move on now. Let's get to our trailer talk. Uh, where each we talk about one of the new movies, newest movie trailers of the week, what we thought of it, when it's coming out, what have you. And this week we are talking Power Rangers. That's the whole title. <laughs> so this is the well, technically it's Saban's Power Rangers. Is it? Is that the okay? Saban's Power Rangers. Fine, thank you. Uh, <laughs> this is not. This is this is of course a a cinematic adaptation of Power Rangers, the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. Um, it's directed by Dean Israelite, who directed uh, Project Almanac, that time-traveling found footage movie from, like, a year ago. And it is basically a modern-day version of what a Power Rangers movie would look like, judging by what the trailer's showing me in terms of a kind of transformerized version of a, t- of a children's TV show. Uh, but with that in mind, Zachy, what do you think of the trailer for, tra- for Power Rangers? Uh, well, it, it made me feel very old because now we're at a point where the stuff after I outgrew it is is old enough to be rebooted for the next generation. So that, mm-hmm. that was my first thought because I, uh, you know, I I was I was at a point when Mighty Morphin Power Rangers first started where I was like, this is lame because I was, you know, I was like the X Men cartoon is way better. So I, you know, that, <laughs> my concept of what was and wasn't Kitty wasn't as as refined as it probably should be. Uh, you know, I feel it's it's interesting because I've been I've been putting it to my students who are kind of at the age now where they would be the audience for this, and I myself I'm like, well, I guess it looks fine if you're a fan of this stuff. But from my students, half of them are like, man, I can't wait, and some of them are like, no, it doesn't look like the Power Rangers that I loved when I was a kid. So I'm actually very genuinely curious how it'll play to that generation that did grow up with it well speaking of interest levels mark i feel like tower rangers wasn't your thing when that was on as a tv show and when i say that was on it's still going is it really still going i had to smile when zaki said that he felt old because like now it's he's like it was popular when he was young this i was past the target audience in the 90s when this was popular so i mean this is the second time it's coming back and i you know i'm i'm still too old for it so i I mean, I have no desire. I mean, the, and the nothing about the trailer really um, interested me. But I, I did go onto Wikipedia, and I have to read the plot just directly from Wikipedia. This really made me laugh. <laughs> okay. Five teens with attitude are, are are inexplicably inexplicably brought together by co- coincidence or destiny. So it's either coincidence or <laughs> destiny to become the newest generation in a line of warriors known as the Power Rangers. Well, that just kind of sums it up. <laughs> I mean, I'm going to keep reading because I think the rest – the world rests in their hands as Rita Repulsa, a powerful witch, launches an assault with an army of stone golems and a giant golden monster called Goldar. I mean <laughs> – but it's a golden monster, and they decided to call it Goldar. It's called Goldar, yes. Right. Oh, well, it seems appropriate. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, and it's like, and it's it's they're they're brought together by coincidence or destiny. Or destiny. <laughs> so we've got everything covered there. I hope that's in the it's, opening tra- text, like the scroll that comes up before the movie starts. <laughs> coincidence or destiny. Well, Mark, Mark, I will say this: screenwriter John Gayton. Oh 
Yes, I was going to bring that up. Your favorite. Because I, I wanted to see you wrote this, and then I saw this, and I'm like, well, Mark's going to love this, of course, because it's from the writer of Flight, a movie you love. Academy Award nominee, John Gattins. <laughs> they should put that on the poster, but, you know, maybe well, they yeah. feel like it, it'll sell itself. Well, as far as my thoughts on this trailer, it I mean, I, I, I grew up with Power Rangers to an extent. I did like the kind of the first intro season like because it's it, as i said it's still going like it hasn't stopped like it's one of the like longest running like live action kid shows that's ever been on but it looks like what i expect a power rangers movie to look like i mean that's kind of the takeaway i have that doesn't necessarily say like it's going to be great or not but from an adaptation standpoint i feel like it's given me what i'd kind of want to see if they're going to make a movie out of this i don't i don't know if those compl- those with the kind of nostalgic love for the Power Rangers, I don't know if, you know, seeing a movie that looks, you know, as goofy as the TV show did back in the 90s, which was then turned into a, a you know, a 1995 movie that looked exactly like that. I don't know if that's, you know, what you'd like want to see on a big screen again. I don't know if you'd respond better. Uh, so this kind of, I, yeah. I hesitate to say gritty, but just this, you know, kind of modern take on it's it. Slightly realistic Yeah, a, than, yeah than, realistic would be a way to put I mean, yeah. to the extent that you can when it comes to... <laughs> Quote, unquote. <laughs> teens of Attitude being brought together by coincidence to Destiny, of course. But, or um, Destiny. <laughs> inexplicably brought inexplicably, together. Inexplicably, yeah. <laughs> but there's, I mean, there's little things here or there that got, like the... Because I know, like, Brian Cranston is the, is the, uh, the voice of Zordon, the mentor of the Power Rangers, and... You know, as opposed to the TV show where it's just like a, a projection of a floating head, this is like a wall that comes out, and it's like it's like, all right, that's actually a clever way to make Zordon work on a big screen. I, I admired that, and even like the Zors, which are the mechanical robots that the Power Rangers inhabit to fight off other giant things. Like the the kaiju aspect of this movie is like, all right, we'll see how that plays out. I hope it looks better on you know big screen well, or whatnot the budget is 120 million so they definitely they're spending money on it yeah so uh, so i mean that means something i mean they're not they're not holding back they, they yeah, it well, seems like they're trying I feel, to like, i feel like they're i feel like they're overestimating the uh, the the audience for this in my opinion i i i feel like 120 is like 40 million more than they probably should have spent on this there's right there's some that might not be the most accurate budget. I, I've heard but, different. You know, I've heard, the I've last heard... time I said that about a film, it was Tarzan, and that did well. So. It did but well, but it was it, also it very right. It was expensive. Yeah, it was like that's a zero... another one. They spent they spent about forty million too much on that one too. Yeah, it's more expensive than it needs to be. Yeah, I would agree with Zach as far as I am curious how this will play out. I'm not expecting necessarily, you know, the. Well, I guess this this might be by default the best Power Rangers movie I've ever seen, but, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I'm not expecting it to be amazing. Um, but uh, I I will go go to see it and find out what happens. Oh, ouch! <laughs> Power Rangers, I, oh, Saban. I, I will say yeah. I, I I like the fact that Brian Cranston who he got his start doing voices for the monsters on Power Rangers, yeah. and so he came back as like, hey, you know, like pay pay it forward kind of thing. I think that's pretty cool. We can all agree, Brian Cranston is a stand-up guy. <laughs> That's the takeaway from this trailer discussion of Power Rangers, of Saban's Power Rangers, which, right. of course, opens March 24th. So uh, just another one of the big March movies that are coming out and, uh, around that time. All right, that out of the way, let's get to our to something completely similar, our main review for The Founder. I know what you're thinking. 
how the heck does a fifty two year old over the hill milkshake machine salesman build a fast food empire with sixteen hundred restaurants at an annual revenue of seven hundred million dollars one word persistence queen's castle sales hi jim ray how's it going down there good swell a lot of interest we got an order six mixers to anyone in particular McDonald's. Care for a little tour? We wanted something different, and that's when my brother here comes up with one of his brilliant ideas. Order's ready in 30 seconds, not 30 minutes. Unique, original, there's nothing like this. It's revolutionary. It's exactly what it is. It's revolutionary. All right, that should have been some of the trailer for The Founder. If you ever want to know the story of McDonald's, this is what The Founder delivers. Michael Keaton stars as Ray Kroc, a salesman who discovers a small operation that is fast and efficient in the world of drive-in diners. He quickly partners with the brothers behind this Mickey D's establishment and proceeds to do what he can to turn it into a franchise. That said, Crocs soon finds himself wanting to do a lot of things, which puts him at odds with the brothers who want to take their time and look over every idea. That leads to Croc doing what he must in order to succeed, even if that means cutting out some, pe- some key people involved in the process. Mark Hoban, were you loving the founder? So, before I answer that, I just want to say that I've always found the story about McDonald's very interesting. The idea that there were these two guys named McDonald, brothers, that started with this hamburger stand. And then there was another guy, Ray Kroc, that sort of was part of the mix and sort of be- helped the corporation become the big, you know, multi-billion dollar empire that it became. So that story has always interested me. And so I was really primed to see this film. And I'm happy to say that the movie delivered. I really... I really enjoyed it, actually. I, I don't think it's like the greatest film I've ever seen about uh, business. However, I do think it's a very entertaining sort of presentation of how capitalism and business and that sort of thing works. I like the way that it, it gives sort of the, the two brothers uh, and it does contra- – there is a little bit of manipulation. It, it does sort of show the two McDonald brothers as a little bit uh, sweet and, and somewhat innocent. Uh, they're very dedicated to putting out the best food and they, they, they want to um, – you know, they they're have a, this sort of – sympathy for their customers and everything. And Ray Kroc also at this time, it's a little bit unclear what his character is going to be, but you know that he's driven and he, he wants to, to do this good job. And I, I like the, the sort of the contrast of those two types. And then as things play out, we see uh, things happen. And I, I like the way that it developed. I, I think one of the things that I liked about this film is I think it's true and it's sort of an unfair thing about business is that sometimes the people that are most successful in business aren't necessarily the ones that created the idea. Um, We see this a little bit in Steve Jobs with uh, Steve Wozniak and uh, Steve Jobs and the kind of the way that those two people uh, interacted and who was creating the work and then who was marketing it. And and it's also happened a little bit in the social network with uh, 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 Mark Zuckerberg and and uh, and the uh, the Winklevoss twins and sort of this idea. So it's being played out again here, but in the fast food business. And the fact that McDonald's became this multi-billion dollar business based on hamburgers, I find that innately fascinating. And I think the film understands that and it does a good job at sort of mining drama out of that. So um, yeah, I, I liked it quite a bit. I, I don't, again, I don't, I don't 
I'm not saying like best picture or anything like that, but I do think that Michael Keaton gave a good performance. And I also think Nick Offerman and John Carroll Lynch as the McDonald brothers are also very good. And some of my favorite scenes are the three of them interacting and the way that their personalities kind of were at odds and the, the phone conversations that they had and stuff. I thought, I thought it was a well done movie. Zachy, how about you? what do you think of the film? You know, I, I, I said I just saw it a few days ago, and and had I seen it a few weeks ago, it would have been in my top ten movies of of 2016. Uh, I I really really enjoyed it, and and part of it obviously is it's it's this great showpiece performance for Michael Keaton, who is just so watchable, and I think he's another one of these actors who, as he's gotten older, has become more more interesting to watch, and I really enjoy the seeing his performance play out in in. The decisions that he makes as an actor—it's kind of interesting, actually. It's—it's—he—it uh, feels like he's playing uh, the the older version of, uh, or an or or a slightly alternate version of his character in Gung Ho, like thirty years ago. <laughs> okay, it's the same kind of like you know doing the sh- the sh- the shtick and trying to get people to to follow his his crazy schemes, you know. Uh, but what what I thought was so interesting about it is how. You you go along with with Keaton as Croc because we like Michael Keaton, you know, and I think it, it the the film plays with that and it plays with our fondness and familiarity with him as it sort of starts taking him down a path that maybe is more questionable, and it puts you as an audience member in this position where you're kind of like to to a certain extent you're almost like internally justifying some of the things he does until it reaches a point where maybe that's more of a challenge. And I, and I loved that sort of internal push and pull because I, I was very cognizant of that. And I, and I like that, you know, the stuff that I loved was how it really makes clear how much he loves, he how he takes seriously the mission of the restaurant. You know, there you see him cleaning up outside and he gets mad when franchisees don't like, you know, for, for him, it's not just about money. It, you know he 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 doesn't he doesn't see these brothers as people he can potentially exploit. He sees it as like I want to spread this message to the world. You know he's a true believer. Yeah, he doesn't he doesn't treat them as rubes necessarily. Yeah, it's more, it's more of his his perseverance in succeeding overtakes their ambition at some point. That's... Yeah, and and exactly, and and that sort of where those two those two arcs end up crossing each other. That's where you as an audience member sort of find yourself shifting your own uh, uh, where your loyalties if you will and I, I again I think that transition is so interesting you know I, I, I think that it's um, this great metaphor for sort of what untethered capitalism is and then, and obviously you can't help but look at sort of our current political situation and draw some very interesting parallels there I think it's a movie that needs to be seen I mean I, I my understanding is it, it didn't do especially well this past weekend which which I think is really unfortunate because I think uh, I, you know, I hope people discover it. Yeah, it uh, it wound up at number nine with uh, about three point seven million this weekend. That's a, it's not like it's the most expensive movie, but and it's you know it's it's a you know compared to bigger movies to market, to let alone more awards. You know, movies that have got garnered more praise as far as awards season. Um, it's not you know the one that's you know topping the list or whatnot. But yeah, it's certainly it, one. It's not playing in a. I mean, it's playing in eleven hundred theaters, which is a yeah. fair amount, but it's not you know three thousand. So. It's not, yeah. It's not like it had like a major ad campaign in the same way that other movies have. Um, so you know, it's not one that you necessarily be like, oh, Michael Keaton's playing the founder of McDonald's. I gotta see that, like right away. Like it. I, although, I was like that. Well, yeah, I'm no, not, I'm, yes, I'm you not know, in, a, in a general sense, you know what I'm saying. Yeah. 
as far as my thoughts on the movie go, I'm not as high on it as you guys are. I do like the movie. I think it's very watchable. Um, I, I think it, it's, you know, it's it's enjoyable because of, you know, like you, you guys are mentioning, the Keaton performance is strong enough where he, he holds your attention, which, you know, that's it's Michael Keaton, guys. Like, we know, we know he's very good at what he does. <laughs> uh, but I also agree with Mark that um, I, I think uh, Nick Offerman and John Carroll Lynch, Nick Offerman in particular, I think they're very good as the brothers. Uh, yes. I think Offerman has a very interesting role as a, as a Dick McDonald, who you know he's the more he, he's more of the brains behind the operation as far as what the, what they what they did. And I think there's some interesting his you know his kind of attitude and his personality. It's an interesting thing to watch, especially as uh, Croc comes into his life and uh, you know makes things different for how he he and you know his brother are used to doing things. I would say the other actors are fine. They don't really have much to do, and they just kind of come up. You know, feeling stockish um, as far as like there's you know like Laura Dern's what like the long suffering uh, Laura Dern. She's Laura Dern. Kind of, I mean, she's fine. Like she doesn't do any. She, she just kind of she's the she's the wife that's at home while Ray Kroc's on his crazy schemes and right. I I do think she did serve a purpose, but it was sort of like a, she was more of a plot device to kind well, yeah, of sort of because he, well, he she sort of reflect. I mean, you feel sorry for her. I mean, essentially. You do, but, it, but it's, I mean, you're supposed to because it's very obvious because this is my main issue with the movie. The direction's very plain. Like, it lays out things very yeah. simply and doesn't do much to challenge what's going on here. I think the script by Robert Siegel, who wrote uh, The Wrestler, among other things, he, the script is terrific. I think there's a great you know, screenplay here for how things are playing out. The very, you know, what, Zachy, you're talking about as far as what you can draw comparisons to. And even the kind of presentation of Keaton's character and how he turns and what you can kind of look into it and how it challenges your perception based off just having Keaton. That's a very good point you made again, Zachy, where it's you have a you have a, such a likable star that it makes it, it it challenges the audience to kind of think different way differently about him, given what yeah. he's doing versus what you think, what you think about him in general. I think that's a very deliberate casting choice that makes a lot of sense for this movie. But I think John Lee Hancock and John Lee Hancock, who did Save Mr. Banks. That's um, right. Uh, the Alamo. He did the blind side. Did he? He did the blind side. I don't need to get into that. <laughs> but <laughs> it's uh, it's just it feels like there's a script here that could be served by a much better director. And I, I don't want to come down hard on John Lee Hancock. I just think what he's doing here doesn't offer you much more than basic biopic direction, where this movie could uh-huh. use more edge to it. I don't necessarily need to see like David Fincher's The Founder, but I do think there are other filmmakers that could be more <laughs> capable of kind of digging into some of those nuances some of those more existential thoughts within the lead character's but, mind that i don't that i could have that i've gotten in other like scripts by siegel like you know there's other things that i've seen in other characters in his films that have been more challenging than when i'm presented here well one of the things i kind of liked and this probably speaks to the script there's a part where ray Kroc comes out and this is early in the film he goes to mcdonald's uh the stand he just wants to see what it's about he walks up to the window and he's he's ordering the food and he's like uh, he orders it, then literally, like maybe you know, fifteen twenty seconds later, he's handed yeah. the food. He's like, "Wait, th- I I just ordered." It's like, "Yeah, there you just, there's your food." It's like, I don't get it. What I just? How did it get this quick? It's like, no, that's what we do. And then he's like, "Well, why is it wrapped in paper? And where do I sit? And all the things that we sort of take for granted because we we're familiar with fast mm-hmm. food. It's been around. It's we've all been in. You know, it was surrounded with it. But these were. I mean, I, I you know, revolutionary concepts at this time, and they were really bringing the American public something different that had never really been done before. And I, I like the fact that the movie, I mean, obviously they've done their, their research. They, they, they've presented this. And I think that's a, that's very good. It, it is something I, I believe that like Zaki was saying, 
uh, people should see this movie. I, I think it's something that it, it's history, and it's but it's also it's entertaining. And what you're what you're speaking to is that I really like the yeah, the first half of this movie, probably at most. I, I really enjoyed as far as like I thought this would be am- like continued to be amazing throughout. I do think it like you're saying it does capture the kind of that you know what fifties atmosphere very well. With the innovation that's going on, why that's different, the character, what the characters are doing to show you why that's different. I I really like that. I thought and like there's a whole lengthy explanation about how where the mcdonald's idea came from and the history behind it even if it borders on like talking about how great mcdonald's is it borders on advertisement i was still i feel like i was sitting there knowing it was doing this because it would have to do like the later half be more not necessarily scathing or cynical but more (laughs) give it more edge to kind of balance out what we're seeing here and that's i guess my issue i just never got that kind of satisfaction from the film I, i think it just kind of travels down the conventional like here's and then this happened and then this happened and this happened now it's still watchable because as we're saying the actors are great in it like keaton and offman and lynch they're all very good in what they're doing and it's not like a it's not poorly made it just it never it never got further than i thought it could as far as what it's trying to do that's me i mean i exactly you're saying it could have been on your top 10 though i mean you clearly you, you like the film a lot more yeah, I mean, and and I think I think ultimately for me, what it came down to is it ended, and I just kind of sat there and I was thinking about it. And I, you know, any movie that inspires a certain amount of sort of introspection, I I take it as as something kind of different and special. Which is completely fair, and I I, I yeah. would say I I've done that as well as far as thinking about well, not maybe maybe just like cinematically, but just what the movie's trying to say or whatnot. I'm curious. I, I, may, I, may, I may have wished that it did more, but I still appreciated the story I got to be t- mainly because I, I didn't know I knew some vague details about Ray Kroc's involvement with McDonald's. But I didn't know it to the extent that I got it here. I, I, I mean, there's sort of the the way the film wants you to think, and then the way you actually felt. But how, Aaron, how did you? Or and Zachy too? How did you feel about Ray Kroc after the movie was over? Ooh, that's I, a good question. I mean, from. It's tricky because like what the movie wants me to present versus what I think of this person. Right, right. As no, and that's person. part. Of, that's part. That's in my question is like yeah. what the movie wants you to think and what you think about the man, the the entrepreneurial man. You well, know, I that... think for for me, I, I mean, as far as what I think of Ray Kroc, the person, while there's an aspect of 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 a deal he eventually makes that you know it's it's sad uh, what he has to do. I admire what he was able to accomplish. I mean, I mean. We, we're talking about McDonald's without having to explain what McDonald's is because everyone in the world knows what McDonald's is. So clearly he, he had a vision and he was, you know, spoilers for history, he was able to reach that to some degree. What the what I wish the movie did more was was come down on him harder. I mean, I, I don't think it necessarily gives me a an ultimate idea of who this person was beyond these things that he did. I don't Because I think it's I think it's harsh on him too. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Yeah. I think it could be harsher, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> but See, I don't I, want I, it to be harsher because I, I do believe that he one one aspect you could look at it and say, well, he stole this these two brothers' ideas. Yes, but these two brothers, if if Ray Kroc had not come along, we would not know about McDonald's. Yeah. I don't think so. I think I think Mc, Ray Kroc did something that contributed to their success. So well, there is well, that. See, but but what's what's interesting is see, I I think that's almost a false dichotomy because because it's kind of like would the brothers would it have mattered to the brothers if McDonald's became a global brand? Or they, yeah, they they probably wouldn't have cared, right? Right, and and see, that's the, kind of the interesting thing is that is that he, he you know. When we talk about coming down on on him, I think that 
and without spoiling anything, I think that we are put squarely on the side of the brothers straight oh, yeah. from the jump. We're never we're never not on their side. So there, the kind of the, there's a conversation in a bathroom at that moment. That's if you were still on Ray Kroc's side before, you're not anymore. And I agree. Right. I do. I mean, I, I think I mean, obviously you want to support Kroc for a certain thing just because you, you get you kind of like. You know, he's he's putting all his money in this thing, and you don't want him to you don't want him to fail outright. But by the time right. the movie reaches its conclusion, yes, obviously there's a, you know, you support the, the way the film positions you to be in. You obviously you see what he's doing versus what the brothers have done. And right. while while there's actions that both of these characters could have taken to go differently, you you don't want anyone to be kind of left out in the cold. So you right. take you take a side of you know the ones that are probably going to be left out in the cold. So I I get that. I just <laughs> You know, for a movie that's you know all about this Ray Kroc character, I guess I don't say how I said it's not necessarily correct. Like I, um, coming down on him, no, that's not necessarily what I like. You know, I don't need a some very over the top manner to tell me that you know this guy is this way because of this more of there's a it's, it's hard to describe like a feeling you get, but there's a there is a like I don't know like the Big Short would be an example where there are you know there's firm ways to look at what characters actually sure. do in that film that I think this film could have done to kind of emphasize certain aspects more. That, yeah, you know, I, I I would say this. I like I I don't think you're gonna come away from this with any illusions. Like man, I he's so awesome. I wish I was like him. Like like you know like that was my problem with Wolf of Wall Street. Was I was like I think a lot of people were misinterpreting uh, that character. And being like, man, it's amazing, it's so awesome. I think, I think by the end of this film, you've got a portrait of him. And I, I agree with you about the direction, by the way. But I think, to to your point about the script, I think the strengths of the script almost, to me, powered me past that because I they powered me past uh, it to saying I should I recommend the film. I mean, I, sure, I, I, sure. Again, I'm saying okay. I do like the movie for sure. I just, yeah. yeah, I'm not. I'm not. Yeah, I mean, I, I would yeah. agree with that. I mean, I don't think Hancock is a he's not an exceptional director. I think he's a competent director. I think he. You know, he, he gets it done, you know. Yeah, and I, I agree. Again, it's very, it is, a, like I said, it's very, I'm not trying to be dismissive, but it is a watchable movie. It's it's quick-paced. Yeah. It gives you a story. No, I, it tells, I totally you know, get what you're saying. Yeah. yeah. I totally understand. Yeah. Any other uh, aspects of the film you want to go into? Any other, other besides Laura Dern, any other supporting actors you want to shout out in some way? I mean, I just, uh, I do think that in just depicting this story, B.J. Novak is a character that introduces an idea that I think is interesting. You know, I mean, this is just the history of McDonald's yeah. and just how and what. So I, I'm just thinking like, wow, this is sort of fascinating that, that this was the moment that sort of became that aha moment. And I, I don't I want to go into it. I mean, if you know the history of McDonald's, you would know this already. So I'm not. But I think it's fun if you don't know anything about McDonald's, then watch the film because you'll you'll learn something about like how this business became a success and what was that moment that sort of Ray Kroc finally yeah. got the, uh, you know, cause the, one of the things too, about this, the, the founder of McDonald's is the McDonald's brothers, but the founder of the McDonald's corporation is Ray Kroc and why those two things are separate. This film will answer that for you. Yeah. It does give you a lot of information that you'd like to see in the, or it gives you a lot of setup for what you want to see in founder Two founded. <laughs> as far as the glo the globalization of McDonald's, still, still foundering, still foundering. <laughs> but like, yeah, you know, going, you know, as the as the company, the the corporation of McDonald's becomes, you know, this massive 
you know, thing that's all over the world. There's a lot of various things that have gone into the history of McDonald's that I'd, I'd be curious to see. Like, how did Ray, what did Ray Kroc say about, you know, the, the, the Hamburglar? What did he say about the, the Mac and Me movie? I like, I, I'd be interested to see what, where those things came from as the, right. as the, you know, the old, the whole company expanded further and further. Well, I, I do know that the concept of Ronald McDonald, it was invented by Willard Scott. He was like the of first. Of course it was. <laughs> and, it, and it was something that I think that Ray Kroc allowed to happen, but not with the brothers' involvement. It was not something that the brothers had signed off on. And it was something local. It happened in, I believe, Washington, D.C. But, of course, none of that's in the movie. It's just something that I've, I've read. I thought that and was it, really interesting. I was, I, was, I was wondering why Ronald McDonald wasn't part of that narrative at all, even in a – in a, well, and that came later. That was like I want yeah, to say. Yeah, imagine like it was later. And the I also early seventies. Okay. I'm also I'm I'm pretty sure like McDonald's has somewhat of a limitation of what they wanted to have shown in a movie like this, which I think also plays. Well, but I, I was just thinking even even a sidelong mention like oh, and this is something you know like uh, to contextualize, but it makes sense if it came after. You know, one of the things I found kind of interesting too is that. Part of the original, and it reminds me of In-N-Out Burger, part of the menu yeah. of McDonald's was essentially just burger and fries and a drink, I think. Yeah. Or it was yeah. a very simple menu. And that became a bone of contention when Ray Kroc was making his visits and he found found this one restaurant was selling chicken and corn on the cob. And he's like, no, that's not part of McDonald's. Some had lettuce on the – lettuce. <laughs> <laughs> McDonald's menu today, it's got salads, it's got, I mean, it's got sundaes and parfaits. It's just, and, yeah. Yeah, it's just interesting that, and I mean, and they're still successful, but uh, obviously, but uh, I don't know, it's just that's sort of an interesting, I, I thought that was, and I, I got it, like, yeah, we want to just focus on these simple things, and it's we're not about chicken, and we're not about, you know, all these other things. Yeah, as far the the whole like, because it's like a good like twenty minute explanation about where McDonald's came from or whatever. Like it that whole that I found that to be fascinating. Obviously, it's just you know characters talking things out, but I still really liked hearing it. Uh, you know, hearing the kind of what we don't need, how they you know how they made the kind of the um the the simplistic structure. The oh, there's the, there's a the, whole uh, monologue about churches and crosses and and yeah. the building and meeting place. Some of that stuff is kind of fascinating, and I can really believe that that came out of his mouth. Like that was sort of his, you know, like I'm going to create this, you know, place that everyone wants to be, and it's going to be, um, you know, for families and and you know, and it and it kind of sort of is still sort of that. I mean, it, I don't think they've ever gotten away from that. Yeah, I, mean, I drove through a lot of towns, a lot of small towns. And they all had two things in common. They had a courthouse and they had a church. On top of the church, got a cross. And on top of the courthouse, they'd have a flag. Flags, crosses, crosses, flags. Driving around, I just cannot stop thinking about this tremendous restaurant. Now, at the risk of sounding blasphemous, forgive me. Those arches have a lot in common with those buildings. A building with a cross on top, of it, what is that? It's a gathering place where decent, wholesome people come together and they, they share values protected by that American flag. It could be said that that beautiful building flanked by those arches signifies more or less the same thing. It doesn't just say delicious hamburgers inside. They signify family. It signifies community. It's a place where Americans come together to break bread. I am telling you, McDonald's can be the new American church. 
feeding bodies and feeding souls, and it ain't just open on Sundays, boys. Yeah, there's there there are aspects of what they talk about with where this came from that still resonate as far as what a McDonald's represents today, or even just a well, yeah, but specifically McDonald's because of a, some specific reasons that they get into as far as why that one worked. Um, right. Yeah. All right. I think we've talked a lot about the founder at this point. Uh, when would you say people should go and see this movie, Zachy? Well, I I would say uh, uh, see it as as soon as you can. Uh, because in, in theaters, because it, it'll probably be, or it'll be on Netflix in like a week based on how it's going. So <laughs> whatever's convenient, I guess. I would say rush out and see it. That would be my, if you're able to. It's it's something different. Mark? Yeah, I, I would say see it in a theater right away. I mean, this is the kind of movie that would would benefit for people to go see it now because it would send a message. It's not doing well, so, you know, I, it probably will disappear uh, fairly quickly. But uh I think it is the kind of movie that will end up on video and people will discover it and it will be well thought of, you know, for years. It's just that it's not going to make a lot of move, not a lot of money in the theater at the moment. It, it'll be a good Netflix movie for sure. I, I agree with that. I certainly support the, you know, see it because it's there and, you know, more of this means we get more of this type of attitude um, that goes with it. Obviously supporting Michael Keaton as a star in movies in general is also something I'm happy with. Um, yeah, so I, I, would... I love this phase of his career. I mean, he is like white hot. I mean, everything. I mean, he keeps cool. starring in movies that you know. I mean, the past two movies, one Best Picture. <laughs> right. Yeah. So it's 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 been a good time for Michael Keaton for sure. But yeah, um, I I would say Dollar Theater. I do think it's a good movie. Uh, not necessarily one that you have to race out for, especially if there's all the other awards movies that are also out there that uh. No, no IMAX, Aaron. <laughs> not this time. Not this oh. time. <laughs> if if they featured Ronald McDonald in a grand capacity. Wouldn't you like to see that, like a burger on a big screen and. Yes, <laughs> and, and I, I look forward to getting the chance to do that again with other movies. So yes, as Anna is saying, the dollar menu is uh, where you can find that founder for me. But yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah I, it seems like something that, credit to Anna, um, I'm, I'm sure that'll be something that, uh, like Zach is saying, probably on Netflix soon enough. So it'll certainly be one that you should check out by the time it does. You'll be like, oh, there's that Mike Green movie I should have seen, but I didn't. So there you go. <laughs> All right. Well, that's the founder. Uh, let's move on now. Let's get to our sponsor for this week real quick. Uh, today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Why? Why Audible? Well, Audible content includes more than 180,000 audiobooks and other similar programs for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or any kind of MP3 device. Additionally, Audible is offering our listeners a free audiobook download of your choice and a free 30-day trial membership. Just go to audibletrial.com slash podcast. You get to choose a book to download for free. For free. Uh, if you get, you can check out the service. If you don't like the service, you can get rid of it, but you get to keep that book that you download for free for free also. So, audibletrial.com slash podcast. Be a winner and read or listen. audibletrial.com slash podcast. Okay. That's a mouthful every single time. All right, let's move on. <laughs> Give me a second. Find some water. Okay, let's move on. Let's get down now. Feedback. Feedback, feedback, feedback. Thank you. <laughs> this is, that, was, that was perfect. Um, this is where we go over our various questions. I've heard him say it like... I don't know how many times. Well, you've, you've had practice. This is where I go over the various questions and answers on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash podcast. We asked a number of questions for you, the listeners, and you gave us plenty of answers. You also asked us a few questions that we'll get into as well. Zachy and Mark, feel free to provide your answers as well as I go over these questions. Okay. And, uh, so here we go. Favorite Michael Keaton performance? Chris writes, going old school with Night Shift. Jay, friend of the show, writes, Ken in Toy Story 3, he nails the charm, but also the insecurity of essentially being just an accessory. Uh, Maxwell, friend of the show, writes, Spotlight and Beetlejuice, two 
total opposite ends of the spectrum, but he handles each with passion and skill of a champion. Uh, Brad writes, I think it speaks to his performance in Batman that it still holds up today through several new iterations, and his role in the RoboCop, Rube, Re, <laughs> Robocop reboot is what made it worth watching. Tyler writes, Jack Frost. Totally kidding, it's Birdman. <laughs> uh, Philip writes, Spotlight. And Stephen writes, Birdman and My Life. Remember hmm. Keaton performances, guys? You know, I'm going to say Batman Returns. Yeah. Um, I think I think it it show it, it's at a point where he's more comfortable because it's his second time out, and he got some real interesting sort of uh, ticks and whatnot to to both Bruce Wayne and Bat- Batman. He's much more comfortable in the suit, and you know, whenever I watch Batman Returns, I think the movie is very flawed, but he's so good in it that I just in my mind I imagine the missed opportunity of all the Keaton Batman performances we never got after. That. I actually, I actually don't think it's very. I mean, I think it's, I think it's a better movie than the first. I mean, I've watched Batman more, but I think Batman Returns is a better movie. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I think Batman has got Michelle Pfeiffer. That's true. I, I think the first Batman is a better Batman movie to me. Uh, but I think. Oh, I agree with Batman that for sure. No, it's a, yeah. no Batman Returns is a terrible Batman movie, but yeah, it's a, so uh, but agree, it's a great but it's a Tim better, Burton movie. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's a, it's a purer Tim Burton film, no doubt. But um, I think it it has one of my favorite Batman moments in any Batman film where it's just Bruce Wayne sitting in the library yep. in the dark yep. waiting until the bat signal comes on uh, and then he then he's activated. And it's then like, the, this man has no life except up, doing this. Yeah, exactly. It's just, it's, that's a a great encompass a encompassing moment of what bat of what Bruce Wayne is in that part. Well, and and just to just to pick up on that, I I think there's there's another scene later where he he's in like a boardroom conversation with with Christopher Walken, and I think that's a great. Bruce Wayne, like we get to see him oh, yeah. as Bruce Wayne being Batman, where he's, you know, it, it, he's uh, he's doing Batman work, but as Bruce Wayne, you know what I mean? Yes, I know. Yeah. So, yeah. Birdman is my answer, by the way, as far as Keaton performances. I think I think he deserved that Oscar. But um, that Eddie Redmayne. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> my favorite would be uh, Beetlejuice, just because I think it's an iconic character. And just an honorable mention as far as performance is concerned, I, I've always been a big fan of the movie Pacific Heights, and I think oh, yeah. Michael Keaton oh, yeah. is so appropriately evil in that movie. So There's, I mean, some of these are splitting hairs. Like, Beetlejuice is a true, and he's only in that movie for like 20 minutes, but he's, I mean, he nails it. He, like, he's, he's completely memorable for a reason in that movie, but there's a lot of great Keaton performances. And so, it, like you're saying, Zachy, like, you know, it's great to see him back now as far as getting some, like, really meaty roles that he's the lead of and whatnot. But, like, he's yeah. had a, I mean, Clean and Sober. It's another one. The Paper is a really strong one. Like, there's a lot of, like, older Keaton roles where he's just as strong. <laughs> yep. Next question we have. Favorite film about a fraud? Uh, Jason writes, Casino Jack and Catch Me If You Can. Chris writes, I think this counts, but 1960s Ocean Eleven, pure class. Otherwise, Wolf of Wall Street. Manish writes, The Hitchcock Film Family Plot. Philip writes the Royal Tenenbaums. Jay writes Galaxy Quest. Shalem writes, <laughs> yep. Shalem writes Rushmore and Spies Like Us. And Stephen writes American Hustle. That's a great smattering of films we got listed there. I like wow. all those choices. Uh, I got a good one to add to that. Yeah. The Talented Mr. Ripley. Uh huh. Yeah. Oh, that's good. Man, oh, Galaxy man, Quest I... is a great answer. I got... <laughs> that's, a, that's a good one. Yeah, that's a... that would be my pick, you know? <laughs> so I guess what? The Three Amigos goes along with that, too? Let's see. No, I'm, I'm pretty satisfied with what all these guys put out there. I don't, I don't even know much to add on that one. All right. Favorite Vin Diesel performance. Tyler writes Iron Giant, unless you don't count voice work. as a No, we count voice work here. That's what we do. Philip writes, my least favorite is Private Ryan. Dude, are you trying to get the whole patrol killed? <laughs> uh, 
pitch uh chris writes pitch black all the way oh and the first fast and furious jay writes the one man and his dog opening third of riddick Hmm. uh ricardo writes pitch black for show nippon writes well, he put in the YouTube clip for the How to Break Dance video that Vin Diesel is, of course, the star of, if you haven't seen this one. <laughs> and uh, Matthew writes, I am Groot. I can't believe that nobody, and Zaki mentioned this at the beginning of the show, Boiler Room. That's yeah. my favorite Vin Diesel performance. Yeah, I think he's terrific in that. I mean, I I like Pitch Black quite a bit. I'm not as big on the sequels. Chronicles not really at all, but I like Riddick. I like the character of Riddick. I think he really. I mean, that's that, that seems like something that Vin Diesel's perfectly suited to doing. Um, it it requires only doesn't require too much dialogue from him, and it's a look that he has that I think he nails. I, I really I like the Riddick character. I can see why it spawned a, a, a following. You know what I didn't think he was bad in, and I'm the, I'm drawing a total blank. Was it where he plays the mobster? You know Find me about? guilty. Find me guilty. I thought he was With okay. The, the Sidney Lumet film where he has yeah, hair. Yeah, where he has hair. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> um, let's see. Next question here. Favorite film featuring extreme sports. Shalem writes The Search for Animal Chin, Gleaming the Cube, and Point Break. Point Break. John writes Touching the Void. Chris writes Big Wednesday and Atlantic. And Darren writes Crash Reel. Point Break would be my answer. That was yeah, mine too. Already. Yeah. So this is a little obscure, but District 13? Just oh, because yeah, of this, parkour? Yeah. Okay. The, and it was it, that by, that, that's a new answer. I forgot. I couldn't think about that with parkour. As far as, yes, but yeah. I like to, you know, the, add yeah, something this, to the mix. District B thirteen is a fantastic film. That's that's a great one. Um, from the director of Taken. Um, okay. Favorite James McAvoy performance. Jay writes mm. he's absolutely amazing in filth. Don't know why that didn't get more awards buzz. I really like him. I also really like him in Arthur Christmas, especially his goofball laugh. Also, I know it's not the question, but my favorite film of his is Starter for Ten. Fairly average performance, but a very charming, low-key film with an incredible before-they-were-big cast. Uh, Maxwell writes, this. the obvious choice is Atonement, as he's excellent, but I'll go with Filth, Tough Work. Chris writes, yep, Filth, Top Film. And Alessandro writes, I thought I was going to be the original vote and say filth, but it seems like everyone else has already beat me to it. Still, it's well-deserved, powerful movie, and an unforgettable performance. Philip writes, the sci-fi miniseries Children of Dune. Manish writes, Atonement. And Mary writes, The Last King of Scotland. Oh, thank you. There it is. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, love that movie, so. I, I mean, I think he's fine. It's just, great, you know, it's the, great, it's the Whitaker well, show in that great movie. Great Forrest so Whitaker performance, yeah. I just, I don't think, I mean, I... I just remember, like, Forrest oh, Whitaker, yeah, that's yeah. the other guy that, you know, was okay next to Forrest Whitaker in that movie. <laughs> that's what I think of when it comes to that one. Oh, I want to I want to second the the shout-out to the, the Children of Doom miniseries. That was the first time I saw him. And, uh, you know, I, I remember seeing that and being like, man, this guy, he's going to be going places. He's fantastic in this. And so, it's you know, the fact that he's now kind of a, a pretty busy, busy actor and a well-known star, I feel like I called it way back then, you know. The first time I saw him was um, was what Narnia when he was uh, Mr. Tumnus, and I was like, yeah. "Oh, you, it seems really creepy realizing this in cinematic form versus the book." Um, <laughs> so I was like, "Oh, good, he's going to be something different because that's a weird thing to remember." <laughs> he him won't for. be a centaur. <laughs> I I mean, it's not my favorite, but I do like him in um, uh, First Class. He's good. It's the Fastbender show in First Class, but it's his show in uh, Days of Future Past. I think yeah, he's, he's really good in that. He, he, really he, he kind of carries the burden, carries yeah. the weight in that movie. That I I think he did a great job, but um. I mean, yeah, Atonement's he's strong there, but and and Split, honestly, I mean, I would I, this is the most that's probably the most impressed I've been with his capabilities as a as a performer. Uh, last question we have here: a favorite film focused on a physical or mental disorder slash illness. 
I tried to word that carefully. I don't want to offend anybody, of course. Um, Philip writes, when Marnie was there, deals with depression, self-hate, and self-hatred in an interesting way with child's with a child's perspective. Uh, Chris writes The Shining. Dennis writes Vertigo. John writes Rain Man. Shalem asks, what about Bahub? And um, <laughs> Stephen writes Russell Crowe in A Beautiful Mind. Favorite, uh, good shout well, out to I mean, when Marnie. It's there. one of my favorite films of all time, but One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Yeah, oh, that sure. certainly works. <laughs> Aaron, I would maybe argue that Fight Club would belong in that category too. Uh, yeah, I was I was trying to think. I was like, I know there's some top films that I have that probably factor into this cat. Yeah, so that I know that that's would... like one of your favorites. So yeah, um, I just I guess I don't stress that as an aspect of the movie, but I mean, it, right, it, right, right, right. I does, know. I, I'm kind it, of yeah. It fits. I'm... I mean, I mean, it, it basically is a dissociative identity. But uh, all right. Now we get some uh, questions that you guys asked for us um, that we can uh, ask right here. Uh, Chris writes, well, looking at in the, looking at the interesting few days you guys have had over the pond, so here in America, what is your favorite Washington-based film? Favorite Washington-based huh. film? Well, All the President's Men comes to mind. Uh, well, Mr. Mr. I love Frank Capra, so Mr. Smith oh, Mr. goes Smith to Washington. That's, that's a that's a great. Anna and I revisited that one. It was on. It came out on Blu-ray a couple years ago, and a terrific Blu-ray too, um, with uh, the Jimmy Stewart movie. And it's it. I mean, it look, for one thing, it looks fantastic. This restored version of it, but that's a terrific movie. Like it's a really really great film. Uh, really enjoy watching that one for sure. Washington. I um well, the the uh, the, uh, the original the uh, Manchurian Candidate. I'm a big fan of. I yes. John Frankenheimer film quite a bit. I watched and about, I rewatched that. Washington lobbyists. Uh, thank you for smoking. That's a fun one. Yeah, and and uh, I was uh, a State of Play is one of my favorites. A State of Play, the uh, the, the, the American, the, yeah. the American version. That's right. Yeah. All right. Um, Jason asks, should The Rock have his own DC film? I like that Jason does not give up on these DC film questions or Marvel film questions uh, right in the middle of all this. Uh, should The Rock have a D? So what, what's going on with The Rock lately? Right? He's going to play Black Adam, and it's going to be like it's going to be his own? Is that, isn't that the news, Zachy, right? Like yeah. The, the, it, my understanding is he's going to be in the Shazam movie, and they're doing a Black Adam movie. Yeah. Um, I put confidence in what The Rock chooses for the most part. Uh, especially yeah. when it's kind of left to his own devices. Um, <laughs> so, you know, I think, why not? I think DC needs him more than he needs them. So if they're saying, yeah, if, if, if he's willing to do it, then, it, they, you know, sure. I, I trust The Rock, like you said. If that means he gets to, like, cameo in some of these other DC movies to ensure that they're, you know, slightly more entertaining, that's, I'm you know, I'm, I'm for that. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, Philip asks, lastly, what are some musical recommendations for folks like me who aren't fans of the genre? Now, that's a fun question right there. What are some what are like some beginner musicals that you can jump into? Well, yeah, that's actually so a musical for someone who isn't a fan of the genre. I actually would recommend um, something like All That Jazz, because I think that is sort okay. of a movie for people who don't care about musicals, but want something that's sort of, you know, mesmerizing. I look at films that kind of lean on genre. So um I suggested this was on my mind too. Little Shop of Horrors came to mind. Um, Sweeney Todd comes to mind. There are movies that you know they're in addition to being musicals, they have these other grand aspects to them, such as such as being like a '50s monster movie or being you know a Tim Burton film, where the musical aspect is there, but there's much more to there's much to appreciate about the rest of the production as well. While not being something like Moulin Rouge seems more like advanced studies, where it's like there's a lot to take in if you're like it's your first musical, I would say. Um, mm. I do think 
I, I do think Grease is a musical that Grease most is pretty straightforward. Yeah, can enjoy. I'm, yeah, I'm not a I'm not a Grease fan myself, but it's I can I get it. The Wizard of Oz is kind of a classic musical that I mean I would think most people could enjoy, but Anna's being very helpful off camera right now. Um, a Hard Day's Night with the Beatles. That's a terrific movie, and yes, I mean if you like Beatles, then like that seems like a pretty. Yeah, well, I mean, in that vein, then you could also say Purple Rain. Yeah. Would West Side Story be a good, like, if you're not a, like, it's long. That'd be my only kind of thing, but I mean, it's... See, it's a great musical, but I don't know if it's a great musical for people who don't people like aren't musicals. aren't fans, yeah. I mean, if we're just going to name great musicals, then I'd say Singing in the Rain, but I don't know if I would recommend that I, to yeah, somebody. I don't know if that'd be like, you don't See, like that, the genre that, necessarily. Right. Honestly, that would be the one I would I would recommend to people, to be honest. That's the first musical I ever saw singing. I mean, the the... The technical aspect, I think, is something to admire for sure, uh, as far as its construction or what have you. And I mean, and, and yeah, you're, of course, honestly, we're, we're... And every Disney movie, obviously, is right. Like... The Little Mermaid, <laughs> yeah, any, any Disney movie. But I, I think that kind of question probably doesn't correspond with, the, with with that kind of answer. I feel like people are probably more in line with Disney movies just because they're Disney movies and they're animated. They have a they transcend a different level for people. There, there's actually a musical playing in theaters right now that's actually probably something yeah, I've heard of it. Is it? Yeah. A, it's that. It's that one. It's that one with uh, it, Michael. It Fassbender. might get a Assassin's nomination Creed? or two. Is that, is that what it is? <laughs> yeah. So La La Land, of course, is. I mean, that's that's. I've I've, I've seen people being turned on to musicals because of that. People are like, there's more like this, as if like this has not happened before. <laughs> like, this is a fun. That's a interesting reaction. But sure, more. You want to come here? You can. You can say some of these into the microphone if you'd like to. You're saying what'd you say? You said funny face and and top hat. Those are more honest suggestions. So I, I think I think that's I think we've given Philip and any other listener out there a pretty good you know, <laughs> nice variety list. of films they could check out for sure. Some they've probably even seen. They're like, you know what? I didn't think about that. That is a good one. But um, so yeah. All right. That was on that feedback. 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 Thank you. Terrific. Now we're um now it's uh it's uh, it's time to um get into the uh, get into games. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That was the improv theme for games, of course, and I have a game for you guys. <laughs> I'm taking a breath because I came up with the title, of course, and then worked backwards. The game is called Big Kahuna Burger hyphen Big Rolls Big Burgers. And what 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 this game proposes, uh, every movie that is the answer to the questions I'm going to read you, or the statements, um, involves burgers in some way. So I'm going to read you a description of a movie, and, you know, basically the the category is burger movies to some degree. And you need to shout out your name, and then shout out what you think the movie is that I'm referring to. Understood? I I think so, yeah. Okay. Okay? Yeah. Some of these should be really easy. Some of these might be hard. I don't know. I haven't played this game myself. I came up with it. So here we go. Here's the first one. The establishment in this film is happy to welcome you. Reminds you it is home of a certain burger, and then asks to take your order. Uh, uh, we just answer? Say, say your name. Zachy. Yeah. Good Burger. Good Burger. Home of the Good Burger is the correct answer. Yes, you're correct, Zachy. You got it. Okay. Here's the next one. You can get a burger in this film. It just might be very large and drop out of the sky on top of you. Mark. Zachy. Mark. I heard Mark first. Cloudy with a chance of meatballs? That is correct. All right, close game, guys. <laughs> so next one. Another notable McDonald's movie that tests the length and character will go with his health. Zachy. 
Zachy. Uh, supersize me. Supersize me is the correct answer. All right, here's the next one. This film features that new Hawaiian burger joint. You may need a tasty beverage to wash it down. This film features that new Hawaiian burger joint. You may need a tasty beverage to wash it down. Uh, Mark? Yes? Pulp Fiction? Pulp Fiction is the correct answer. Okay. <laughs> it's in the title, The Big Kahuna Burger. He, Sam Jackson says a very specific way that I can't quite channel, but I was trying to. He says Hawaiian in a very, very Sam Jackson type of way, which makes me laugh. All right, next one. The characters in this film work at McDowell's restaurant while in search of a bride. The characters in this film work at McDowell's restaurant while in search of a bride. Oh, Mark. Uh, Mark. Coming to America. Coming to America is the correct <laughs> answer. McDowell's. Not associated with McDonald's. <laughs> no. Not just not related in any way. John Amos. Great in that movie. <laughs> Here's the next one. Journey with this lovable group as they head above sea to get back a secret formula. Journey with this lovable group as they head above sea to get back a secret formula. Oh, I thought Zachy might have this because he has, you know, multiple kids that could have seen this with him. Oh, <laughs> Spongebob? Mark, do you have an entire answer? Uh, let's see. Like, uh, Spongebob Squarepants, the movie? <laughs> Incorrect. That is the first movie. The answer is spon- the Spongebob movie colon Sponge Out of Water. The sequel. <laughs> we, we've never Sponge seen any SpongeBob. You've never seen any Sponge. What do you do with these kids? Uh, yeah, well, they're in their Pokemon phase right now, so that's. that's it's basically that. Pokemon. They're crazy creatures. Like, what you... <laughs> I'm sure they'll discover it eventually. But I've, okay. I've managed to avoid it thus far in my life. Amazing. All right. Well, I think SpongeBob's hilarious. <laughs> I, I believe you. Burgers in. Don't Disney work in a burger joint in both movies? Yes, but the plot, I mean, I'm talking, the plot of Sponge Out of Water is specifically involving the burger uh, joint. Well, if you want to be technical. Well, I'm sorry, Mark. This is a real game. That's some <laughs> kind of random podcast where you just play random things and shout movie answers out. <laughs> All right, here's the next one. In this film, you won't find any burgers, as Taco Bell was the only place to survive the fast food war. Zacky. Zacky. <laughs> uh, Demolition Man. Demolition Man is the correct answer. Right away on that one. <laughs> <laughs> I know. <laughs> All right, here's the next one. Two friends go through a wild night simply to get some famous sliders. Uh, Zachy. Yep. Uh, Harold and Kamara go to my house. That is correct. Here's the next one. There's three more. Bill didn't want a burger. He wanted breakfast, but he arrived too late on the worst day of his life and continues to spiral down. Uh... Probably the most obscure one, but I'm happy with it. <laughs> Bill didn't want a burger. He wanted breakfast, but he arrived too late on the worst day of his life and continues to spiral down. Da- yeah, Ted's excellent adventure. That is incorrect. Oh. The answer is falling down. The Joel Schumacher. Oh movie, Michael wow! Douglas. Good call. Wow. Good movie. It is a good movie. Next one. These incredibly close, basically connected brothers own a terrific burger joint in Martha's Vineyard, only to head to L.A. in hopes of an acting career. Zachy. Zachy? Uh, uh, stuck on you. Stuck on you is the correct answer. And here's the last one. All this character wants is hamburgers. He mooches off others for him, including his spinach-swallowing sailor friend. Zachy. Z- Zachy? Popeye. Robert Altman's Popeye. 
is a thing I like saying and the correct answer. <laughs> Mark, while movie. you started strong, you came in second place as Zaki was able to win this game. Big Kahuna I, Burger. I Big drink your milkshake, Mark. <laughs> you drink. Okay. <laughs> a, a humble victory but it's chocolate. as usual. You wanted vanilla. <laughs> I'll take it. As long as you don't get it. There we go. I'm a sore winner. Well, all right. That was a good round of games. I was happy with it. I think we all were. <laughs> Let's move on now. Let's start wrapping things up here. Let's get to Out Now Presents Out Now. These are movies that are coming out on Blu-ray or DVD this week, and there's a few things here. First up, Sherlock Season 4. I like two, I like two of those episodes out of the three. Um, let's see. Feel free to shout in any one-sentence responses if you have any to these. Um, let's see. The Light Between Oceans. I leave Mark and I. We both like this movie, right? Yeah, that was a decent film. Yeah. Good love story. Um, Inferno. <laughs> hey, I'm the one guy who liked that movie. <laughs> yeah. USS Indianapolis colon Men of Courage. This is the movie directed by Mario Van Peebles starring Nicolas Cage in the in a, a story based off the, the true story that was told in Jaws by Robert Shaw about the people of Indianapolis that went off the boat and sharks attacked them. This is like a full-length oh, movie about is, that. Is that what it's about? How funny. Wow. Yeah. I, I've heard nothing good about it, but um, <laughs> mainly well, because you've never heard about it until I mentioned it just now, but that is a thing. That, uh, that happened last year. Although I, I just hope that Nicholas Cage is great in it because he deserves better. Let's see, what else here? Dirk Gently's Holistic Detective Agency. I know nothing about this, but I, I kept hearing it get mentioned, so I figured I'd say that it's out now if you want to find it. Let's see. Uh, David Bowie film, The Man Who Fell to Earth, limited collector's edition on Blu-ray this week. If you're a fan of that David Bowie joint. And uh, lastly, Wait Until Dark. This is an old Audrey Hepburn movie with Alan Arkin, like a thriller. Yeah, that's it's a great be. film. Yeah. It's got a big jump moment in there that's pretty famous, but uh, no, it's, it's a good, good overall, good movie. And uh, yeah, all right. That was that now. Princess was that now. Let's move on to Extremely Cool. These are things now on uh, on streaming on Netflix that I can uh, make mention of. Actually, I got some Prime things too here. First up, Voltron Legendary Defender Season 2. There's a lot of Voltron fans out there. I know it came back last year, and now Season 2's here. So if you're interested in that, there it is. I also noticed there's some doc. There's a couple movies on Amazon Prime. One's a documentary called Gleason. Do either of you guys see Gleason? No, no, I haven't seen it yet. But I've heard nothing but great things about it. Yeah, me too. Yeah, and the other is a movie called The Monster. I've also heard some things about. It. I can't quite remember what it's about, but I assume it involves a monster. So there you go. Um, all right, it's extremely cool. Next week's show. Next week, I'm not sure what we're going to talk about next week. Um, <laughs> I I don't want to talk about Resident Evil because I don't care. Um, a dog's purpose? I feel like I'm not going to talk about a dog's purpose now. <laughs> I saw gold, which is the only other thing opening, so that might, or we might just figure out something else. Or maybe talk about like a bunch of things in one episode. I'll, I'll well, the out. salesman comes out, but it's like probably limited. Yeah, so that might it might be like a hodgepodge episode where we just talk about a number of movies that have come out recently, or maybe the Oscar nominations. Actually, that's that could be a thing we could talk about for sure. So that should be interesting. Probably a topic-based show next week, so we'll we'll see what happens. But uh, yeah, until. Then, the last thing we do here is, what should people go and see now, and what do you plan to see next? Mark Hoban, what should people go and see in theaters right now? I would, I mean, I said this last week, I don't want to just keep saying the same thing, but La La Land. said two weeks ago, there was a week in between. Oh, oh sorry. <laughs> I, 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 correction, I said this the last time I was on. Okay. Uh, La La Land, I mean, it's still playing, and it's still in a lot of theaters, so that would probably be my 
recommendation. I mean, Hidden Figures is is enjoyable as well, so that's something to to go out and and check out. What are you going to see next? You know what? I'll probably – well, either I will break down and see M. Night Shyamalan's Split – I mean, I I'm in the minority. Like, most people seem to like it, so I don't know. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I may see that, or I actually – I have Neruda on a screener. I still have not watched it. I may just see that. That's Pablo Lorraine's uh, other film that he directed this last year. He did Jackie, and then he also did uh, uh, Neruda. Neruda. So I, I may see that. I mean, I, I will be watching it at some point. I just don't know whether I'll see that or split. Zachy, how about you? What should people go and see in theaters right now? Well, I guess I just want to double down on what we were saying earlier. I mean, check out check out the founder. You know, uh, it, uh, like we were saying, it, there there aren't enough movies like this, and and it's nice to support something a little different like this. Oh, you know, I, I actually I changed my answer. I, I would say the founder because that's the movie that needs your you know your attendance. Needs the bucks needs the money. Yeah, I have a feeling. So the Academy Award nominations are coming out on Tuesday. I have a feeling La La Land will probably get a boost. So I, I I side with Zachy. Go see it the got a, It got a boost from the Golden Globes last week. Like they already made a whop, and now it's still making its money. But yeah, well, it's, didn't it set a record right at the Golden Globes? It, it won. Oh the yeah, Go- won every Golden Globe it was nominated for. Won everything. Yeah. Yeah. But it's, but I mean the box office that you know that week you know the weekend after was like huge. Like, right. Like a, like a, you know it was a giant increase given what it is. Um, Zachy, what are you seeing next? Um, I, I the next thing I'm planning to see in the theater is probably John Wick too. Yeah. All right. I would. Yeah. There's a lot of things out. I mean, Hidden Figures, La La Land, Lion is still out. Um, that'd be be nice to see that make some more money. I think it's a good movie. Uh, Silence is, you know, that's the hardest one to see of all the ones as far as like, well, yeah, we we can see La La Land or we can see this two hour and fifty minute religious drama by Martin Scorsese. You know, we'll see how that goes. Um, and <laughs> Patterson, of course, my number one movie of the year. So you know, it's still in theaters. I would certainly recommend it if you can find it. It's only playing so many places, but I loved it. So there you go. Uh, as far as what I'm seeing next, um, I also have Neruda, uh, so I know Anna and I will be catching up on that at some point. There's some more docs that I'm looking forward to catching up on. But I think theatrically, the next thing I'm probably seeing is um, it's probably the space between us, if anything. Yeah, well, if, uh, what's his name? Asa Butterfield going, leaving Mars to go to Earth for the first time. So uh, see how that goes. And yeah, I think that's uh, going to do it for this week's episode of About Now with Ryan and Abe. So... You can find more of my work on my personal blog at codeazeek.com. You can find all my written movie reviews there as well as at wisedblue.com for blue reviews. You can also find me on Twitter at Aaron's PS4 and writing over at Screen Rant uh, Daily. Uh, Zachy Hassan, where can people find more of your work online? Uh, you can go to my website, zachyscorner.com. That's Z-A-K-I-S corner. And that's also my Twitter handle. You can also see my movie reviews at the Huffington Post. Uh, and uh, the Movie Film Podcast, which I co-host with my friend Brian Hall, goes up uh, every two weeks. We have a new episode coming up uh in a few days so probably right around the same time this show drops all right mark hoban where can people find more of your work online uh you can find my work on my personal blog fastfilmreviews.com and you can also follow me on twitter mark underscore hoban you can find all the other episodes of out now with Aaron abe on itunes as well as on audio boom you can find older episodes over at hhwlody.com as well as on podomatic and soundcloud you can feel free to email us any thoughts you might have had on the founder or anything else we discussed today at outnowpodcast at gmail.com. Feel free to let us know anything else you think over at our Facebook or Twitter page at facebook.com slash outnowpodcast, where you can participate in our feedback section, as well as on Twitter at outnow underscore podcast. And, of course, give us any Michael Keaton gifts you want to over at outnowpodcast.tumblr.com. We'll be sure to you know not respond to them because we have no idea how our Tumblr page works properly. <laughs> um, 
Though with all that said, Zachy and Mark, thank you both for joining me today to discuss the founder and much, much more. Thanks for having me. For sure. Congratulations, Zachy, again for winning the Big Kahuna <laughs> movie game. <laughs> and, uh, uh, of course, <laughs> great to have you guys on as always. Um, I I know we're all looking forward to seeing what the Oscar nomination is going to be this Tuesday. That'll be should be interesting. I'm so like yeah, I'm excited. And uh, that'll be that'll because, be of course you know fun what, for the, the thing about yeah. the Oscars is like I love them and I hate them. Like it's it's going to be one of those things where somebody is going to get snubbed and you're going to be like, how could that person not get nominated? But then you know it'll also be like a lot of people will be recognized. So it's kind of like you know love hate. And, of course, we'll have our challenge as well to see which of us can get the most wins right by the time the Oscars actually happen. So we'll see. But, yeah, that's uh, going to do it for this week's episode. So until next time, so long and goodbye. It's common sense. Kanye Ross is on the Dave Chappelle show. Everybody gotta eat right, y'all. It's the food, baby. Yo, I walked in the crib, got two kids, and my baby mama laid. Uh-oh, uh-oh, uh-oh. So I had to did what I had to did, cause I had to kid. City aware, like juice and gin in the city we bled. A monster hustle, titties and scan, fifties and rams. Y'all know the three wells and trucks is detail. Heartless females that wanna ride in them. Felt the south side venom and raw highs and denim. The minds collide with them, a system that tries victims. We living it, my man in the fast lane pivoted. On the block, y'all just selling like Eminem. On the block, it jump off like Kim and them. On the block, it's hot, you can feel it, and get skin in there. Shorties get the game with no instructions to assemble it. Eyes right, it seem like the fight is imminent. Call my man cousin like I'm kin to him. He trying to stay straight, the streets is better. I walked in the crib, got two kids, and my baby mama late. Throwbacks and Tims, blacks and rims. Whether on ball courts, the tires of all sorts, we never fall short. With us, it's all force like air ones. Some waves, some air guns. The days of the fair one is over, folk. Cash is coated and full below. With self, I go toe to toe. Wondering if it's for the honor for the dough. Though I know to grow up and gotta learn to let go. It does give you a lot of information that you'd like to see, in the, or it gives you a lot of setup for what you want to see in Founder 2, Founded, as far as the, glo- the globalization of McDonald's. Still, still foundering. Still foundering. Yeah, it's, uh... <laughs>